Our blessed God and Father, we rejoice in your presence this morning, and we thank you for the message we've just received. Indeed, every born-again believer here this morning is a miracle of your grace and love. And only because of the finished work, the completed work of our Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary, where he died that we might live, where he shed his precious blood to wash away our every sin. Father, we thank you for the testimony of this choir this morning. And we pray that as we look into your word and as we uh, consider some thoughts from it uh, that you've given to us to share this morning, that indeed your Holy Spirit might take these few words and may they reach deep into the hearts of those who know you not this morning. And may they this morning experience the miracle of love and come to know Christ, whom to know is life eternal. And those of us who know you, Father, challenge our hearts to live a life that will be totally, totally and fully committed to you. For you alone are worthy, and we pray it in your name. Amen. Well, it's a joy and a privilege for me to be with you here this morning. I have to tell you that a couple of weeks ago, I uh, said to Brenda, one of us should call Adel and, uh, and beg off. Uh, got a hold of a viral infection, and it worked its way down into my kidneys, and I thought it might be best to be in heaven than to be down here, I'll tell you that. But uh, God spared me, and I thank Him for that. Thank Him for the miracle of, of medical uh, science. Uh, and as you get older, you appreciate it even more. And I thank the Lord for that. You know, we're living in days in which many things are changing. Some are, are good and some are not so good. And I know that as I mention these, uh, they'll see some heads bobbing with me in agreement. But I think this morning of the very fact that our own Pledge of Allegiance is being challenged by those who desire to remove the words under God from our pledge. We're a nation that was established and was became a nation, a separate nation, in the fear of a living God. And the leaders of our nation prayed that we might ever acknowledge Him as a creator and sustainer. And yet we're being challenged today. Our government is being challenged and how we need to pray for our leaders. It makes no difference. It really makes no difference what your preference is. We need to pray for the leaders of our nation that they may be close and remain close to the things of God. Easter celebration, folks, is now called spring break. Give me a break. Give me a break. Easter is Easter. He is risen. Praise His name. And we celebrate that every year. May we never forget it. I know you won't hear. And may we never forget to give God the glory for the giving of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Christmas celebration, believe it or not, is now being challenged and proposed to just simply be called a holiday season. Give me a break. Jesus Christ was born. He came to this earth. He lived among His own creatures and He went to Calvary there to die. For our sins. Dying he the just for us the unjust. That he might bring us to God. I tell you dear friend this morning. I hope you will listen carefully. To the message from the Holy Spirit of God. 
that we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. We know that he is living whatever man may say. And we look forward to that day when we shall see him face to face and praise him and worship him as we ought. I hope that you will leave this service this morning with a full assurance of knowing that your sins have been forgiven and trusting in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The 9-11 tragedy, and what a tragedy it was, brought many to their knees, literally and figuratively. Many came to acknowledge that there's a God in heaven, and we, we often ask the question, why? And I only leave it with God as to why he allowed this to happen, but I praise his name for every one of those who turned to him and trusted him as a result of this most unfortunate and sad tragedy. Yes, we've been driven to pray. And now, we're even being challenged and told that much of this took place because we have a religious president in the White House. Praise God for a religious president. Praise God for a man who is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and is willing to share. I trust that you pray for him daily. A religious president, well, he's a man who desires to meet with God daily and he speaks of it openly and frequently. Where is God in all of this, you might ask? And the portion of scripture that we're going to look at, we're going to look at three different portions this morning, but the particular portion that I, I want to make emphasis of, and we're going to turn to it in a few minutes, is that portion in John chapter, in Luke chapter, uh, 19, particularly verse 10, and I want you to just let this soak in. We're going to come back to it. And there in verse 10 it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. To seek and to save what was lost. God's message is alive and changing lives daily. Praise His name. In spite of those who would oppose Him. And I wonder, and as I ask you the question, I ask myself the question, what barriers are you facing today? What barriers are you facing today? What is keeping you from trusting God more fully today? What is keeping you? Will you think about it as we look at these three, perhaps to many, impossible situations that took place? And the first one I want you to turn to with me is Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And here we have virtually an impossible situation as far as man was concerned. We have three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we turn to chapter 3 of Daniel and it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 90 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And he then summoned his congress That's right. He brought all the leaders together. And he said to them, I want you to come to the dedication of the image I have set up. I have set it up. And so Congress came. And they came for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, cither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the king, the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever, 
Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. You better bow. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all the kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of all this music must fall down and worship. Verse 12, But there are some Jews whom you have not whom have not uh, set over the affair, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn and all of the music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then... What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, listen to this. The God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't three men that we tied up And threw into the fire. Weren't there three men? They replied, certainly, O king. He replied, look, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire And all of Congress was there, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell or fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, and I call your attention to that carefully as you think of today, the day in which we live, folks. Be it 9-11, be it times of trouble in your life, be it problems that have come across your family, and you're suffering, and you're sorrowing, And perhaps I have a dear brother in Chico today who is sorrowing over the loss of his 18-year-old child killed in a car accident just a couple of weeks after graduating from high school. Don't ask me why, but it happens. It happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language 
who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Oh my, oh my. How we've come full circle. And here we are. And when problems arise, and when we're struggling with life, and it seems as though there's absolutely no hope, we turn to the living God. Why? Because God seeks your heart and your soul this morning. He longs for you, dear friend. He sent His Son to die for you upon the cross. Yes, He shed His precious blood to wash away your every sin. I don't know what it's going to take to bring you to Christ. Only God knows. But I ask you this morning, is God still able? Is God still able? These young men stood up and they said, the God we serve is able save us. They were contemporaries of Daniel, by the way. That young man who was caught praying to his God and was thrown into the den of lions. (laughs) And they were so stuffed with hot air that they didn't even want to smell Daniel. And God protected him. Is your God able? He desires. He desires this morning, I tell you. With a heart full of praise and thanksgiving, he desires and longs to save your precious soul and bring it to himself. What will it take? What will it take? Well, we have another portion of Scripture in Luke. Luke chapter 19. And I want you to listen to these words. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Dear friend of mine, we're here this morning, we're sharing from the Word of God. I just want you to know that the message, if you hear nothing else, is that the Son of God, The Son of God came to seek and to save your lost soul. And the price has been paid. I ask you, what will it take? Are you trusting in the living God? Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, a chief publican, usually classed with harlots, by the way. Hated generally as a tax collector, collecting taxes for a foreign power. He was wealthy, be it legitimate or illegitimately. But you know what? Verse 3 tells us, He wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus today? By faith? And it says that he was just a short man. Some of you deep Bible scholars, I I have searched and never been able to find just how tall Zacchaeus was. But I know that in Sunday school we sang Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. And he climbed high into a sycamore tree because Jesus he wanted to see doesn't matter what your stature is. Are you looking for Jesus this morning? 
He wanted to see Jesus. And wonder of wonders, verse 5 says, Jesus wanted to see him. Him that cometh unto me, the Lord Jesus says, I will in no wise cast out. Do you want to see Jesus today? Do you want to come to know him as Savior and Lord of your life? He desires to know you. And he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. Yes, Zacchaeus came to Jesus. He rushed down, I'm sure, just as quick down that tree when he saw that not only could he see Jesus coming in the crowd, but, but he watched him. He, and he came to the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I want to see you. I want to go to your house today. The Lord Jesus says to you this morning, I want to save your precious soul. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you joy and rest and peace. Some of us are getting on in life, you know. And I don't want to scare you into heaven unless that's the only other way that that we can get your attention. But my dear friend, in love I say to you this morning, regardless of your age and your stature in life, the Lord Jesus loves you. And he invites you to trust in him. Not just for time, but for all eternity. In spite of these circumstances, these young men under King Nebuchadnezzar said, God, the God we serve can save us. In spite of his past and his circumstances, Zacchaeus said, Lord, I want to give away all of these things because nothing is more important to me, Lord Jesus, than knowing you. Knowing you. I ask you, what will it take? But I have an experience that I want to share with you this morning. An experience that I believe is well, well worth remembering. You see, in 1870, March of 1870, none of us were living then. But in March of 1870, William Smith Payne was born in Dublin, Ireland. In 1876, his father died, leaving a widow with four boys to care for. Mrs. Payne had a strong character, it's it's written, and a real trust in the Lord, rearing her family with a true and honest fear of God. At age 12, we read in the records that we've been able to find that William goes to work for the railroad. He was at his office daily, punctually, and never missed a day of work. Somewhat unusual for today. At a very early age, William trusted the Savior and at 16, at 16, he was appointed as a Sunday school superintendent at his home assembly there in Dublin, Ireland. In 1888, when, when William was 18 years of age in Dublin, a missionary came by, his name was Mr. J.H.L. Ewan, and he was visiting the local church where William Payne was Sunday school superintendent. And on a Sunday evening, Mr. Ewan presented the challenge of serving the Lord fully, as a missionary in South America. Miss Elizabeth Irvin Milne, by the way, from Scotland, was also in attendance, and she and William had met in Dublin, and her desire was also to become a missionary and serve the Lord. And so in September of 1890, when William was only 20 years of age, 
William marries Elizabeth Irvin Milne in the home of her parents in Aboyne, Scotland. And in October of 1890, just a month later, short honeymoon, or long one as you want to call it, they arrived in La Coruna, Spain to study the Spanish language. This they did for two years before going on to Argentina. And they would serve their Lord Jesus together for 26 years. Traveling throughout Argentina and into Bolivia on horseback. Sharing the glorious gospel with those who had never heard it before. Yes, William Payne and his dear wife and little family were the first missionaries into Bolivia. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They faced many dangers giving birth to three children. Madge, Lillian and Arthur. Born, who was born in Sucre, Bolivia, in the year 1900. Mrs. Payne suffered much from the high altitude, we're told, often at 12 to 14,000 feet above sea level. Mr. Payne wrote, You know, the altitude is good for the lungs, but it's bad on the heart. Many reports were sent back to Ireland and Scotland from the Payne family and they travel, as they traveled throughout South America. Much, much persecution was felt from the strong Church of Rome. This faithful servant of God writes to echoes in Ireland and in England, and I share these thoughts with you this morning. Will you just bear with me? Of course, this happens to be my grandfather. But you know, he wrote in January of 1902, We've been about eight weeks in Oruro and have found remarkable opportunities for the preaching of the word and getting at the people. The only available room was far too small for meetings, so I set to work and made a tent to seat about 200 persons, and for about six weeks it was full to overflowing with a quiet, orderly crowd. Some professed to get blessing, and we were rejoicing at the glorious prospect for this poor country when the evil one got to work, and we were obliged to stop the meetings. An attempt was made to set fire to the house near which was the tent and where we had our residence. However, the fire was put out before the stabling was burned and before it spread to the house. The owners took fright and begged us to leave, and we have found it impossible to get a suitable place for the tent. But uh, we are allowed to remain till we get another place to live in. July 17th of 1902. William Payne is 32 years of age, by the way. His youngest son is 17 months old. Keep that in mind, won't you? His little girls are roughly six and four. The doctor here considered it well for Mrs. Payne to get, cold, uh, to, to, to get away to the lowest valleys during the coldest part of the winter, so I took her and the children to Cochabamba at the end of last month. I had for some years desired to be able to visit that town and was glad for the opportunity to scatter the seed in a new district. No meeting, no meetings have ever been held in Cochabamba and as I walked along the streets and saw the people bowing at the church doors at the supposed presence of God inside, I felt my heart sad. Here are 40,000 souls in the darkness of Rome. They seem from outward signs to be full of religion. The priests reign supreme. I was obliged to come back here in order to look after many matters in connection with the work. But if the way is open later on, I hope to have some meetings in Cochabamba. October 1st, 1902. When we commenced meetings here, I knew a little of the danger, but could not turn away from the open door. As soon as I could get seats made and things in order... I made me, see, he was a tent maker. He was a tent maker. William Payne was four feet, eleven inches tall. 
but a giant for God. As soon as I could get seats made and, and things in order, I began meetings with an attendance of some 150 to 300 persons. Of course, many opposed, and excitement got to a boiling point. To, un- to attend a meeting in our house was only to be pardoned by going on, the, on their knees to the bishop. Sermons were preached in all the churches. I was accused before the criminal court. All this only served to send more people to listen to us. Then lying slanders were circulated. It was said that I carried with me the special presence of the devil and had blasphemed the name of the virgin. Everyone passing me ought to go along muttering, Jesus, Maria, Jose, Jesus, Mary, Joseph. Mothers, sisters, and wives ought to persecute every man who came near the meetings. This also failed. So Rome reverted to the ignorant mass, which in Bolivia is a mighty weapon. Under the cloak of demonstrations in favor of the municipality, a public meeting was called, and the holy women called the Indians to come from their estates, some leagues distant, to swell the numbers. Finally, at noon on Sunday, the church bells rang out to call the people to defend religion. The people gathered in one of the squares and a number of sacristans, etc., mixed with the throng, urging vengeance on the Protestant. About 2 p.m. I heard the distant roar of the crowd and like a river let loose, they rushed down on our house. Paving stones were quickly torn up and before the police arrived, windows were smashed and about a thousand persons were crying for my blood. We committed ourselves to the Lord, scarcely expecting to live ten minutes. Seventeen-month-old little boy, two little girls, six and four, grandpa and grandma in their very early thirties. We committed ourselves to the Lord. The chief of police was wounded and his men were swept away before the infuriating mob. And the door gave way before the hundreds of stones thrown against it. The crowd divided into two sections, one for plunder and the other for murder. I was beaten to the ground and dragged to the feet through the patio. Dragged by the feet through the patio while the cry went up. To the flames with the Protestant. Death to the Mason. The fire was soon kindled and the furniture of the meeting room, etc. Piles of books were taken from Mrs. Hope's rooms, a lady living in the same house with us. Kerosene was brought and everything drenched with it, so the flames shot up in a moment. Just when it seemed that the end had come for me, I found myself snatched away by, by a big cholo who struck out of the whole mob. He was a man I had helped in one of my journeys, a giant in stature, and he drove back the crowd by sheer force. One man rushed at me with a knife, but Terrassa swept him down with a blow. At this moment, the cry arose that the soldiers were coming and a cavalry regiment charged down the street, carrying fear into the hearts of the people. A second charge cleared the street and, and, and several soldiers rode into the patio, slashing with their swords. We gathered together, each thinking some of the others were dead. The poor children, I was told, were being carried to the flames when some police officers snatched them away. In five minutes more, we had a stream of sympathizers that continued till night, and then a slight attack was made on the priest's college, which they met with rifles and revolvers. Why did I take time to read that? Because I ask you the question, is God able? Is God able? Yes, yes, our God is able. And he is able not only to save us, but able to keep us. Someone has written, and I think it's so true, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Did you get that? You're not ready to live, young people, older folks, until you're ready to die. 
Are you ready to die this morning? Don't ask me. Don't ask me, please. Why William Payne and, and his wife Elizabeth and their three little children were spared. I can only tell you it's the grace of God. I can only tell you that the prayers of this dear couple reached deep down into my heart. And today, there are eight of us who through the influence of a godly, godly mother know Christ as Savior. And we look forward to a day. You see, my dear mother went, and my dear father went at 41. He didn't live very long. William Payne only lived to be 54. He outlived two wives, buried him in Bolivia. And the third one buried him a year after they were married. But God used. And God continues to use those who will fully and completely dedicate their lives to him. I'm reminded that there was a crowd in Cochabamba and their desire and their driving force was to destroy this family. There was a crowd in Jericho who said, look, he's gone, after, he's gone into a sinner's home ready to persecute Zacchaeus. There was a godless, self-centered king who said, I have built this 90-foot tall, 90 foot wide idol and you're to bow to it when the music plays. And they said, no way, no way, no way. William Payne was told he ought to leave that country and be gone. He said, no way. God has brought me here. And God will use me and God will deliver me in his time. Can I tell you that there's a little eight-year-old boy in uh, Ripon And he's a grandson of mine. His name is Jordan. And he, he, he called his Uncle Phil up uh, while they were visiting with him last summer. And he said, Uncle Phil, I have a question for you. Eight years old. He said, I know you're a missionary, Uncle Phil. But where do you get your salary? Where do you get your salary, Uncle Phil? I've been thinking about that. See, I want to be a missionary. And I want to know. Eight years old. Little does he realize that his Uncle Phil was five or six when he said, I want to be a missionary. Is God able? You bet he's able. You bet. And he's able to save your precious soul today if you trust him. If you trust him. And you know, if it, the decision is yours this morning. It really is. It's not mine. It's yours. And if you leave this, this service this morning... Soon to be afternoon. And, and, and you go home and you have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. You may never ever have another opportunity. Do you know that? You see, I doubt very seriously that there's ever been a service here where it's exactly the same crowd every Sunday morning. Like I said earlier, a man is sorrowing, sorrowing over the loss of his granddaughter. 18 years of age. I don't know why God chooses that. God chose to take an 18-year-old nephew of mine in a terrible car accident in Southern California. He was to have reported to the college he was going to attend within a week. Folks, (laughs) we don't control our lives. We think we do. We think we've got forever to live. 
don't we? Oh, my goodness, I had five-way bypass in the year 2000. I'm living on borrowed time right now. Hey, not so strong over there, brother. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> you know what? I tell you seriously, seriously this morning, with love in my heart for each one of you, if you're not a believer today, you, you, you're just living on borrowed time. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, the Lord Jesus has paid the price. This is what blows my mind so often when I think about it. Christ has died. He has suffered. He has paid the price for your sins and mine. And yet we stand sometimes and, and put our fists up to God and say, I'll do it my way. Do it my way. You know what? We were reminded in the first service, and I, I think it's so true, we forget. We forget so often that God has provided a plan for us. And his desire and his love is so infinite, so great, so grand, so glorious, that he wants you and me to be with him in glory one day. And he wants to save you today. What circumstances? Let me ask you again. What circumstances do you and I face today? You know, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. I have a couple more verses that I, I don't want to, I don't want to misquote them, so I want to turn to them. The first one is Isaiah 41.10. You know, regardless of your circumstances this morning, if you're believing in the Lord Jesus, Isaiah wrote many, many, many years before the Lord Jesus himself came to earth. But he says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise he makes to you and me as children of his, as part of the family of God. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, a very, very favorite verse of mine, two or three verses there. I love them, and it says this. Trust, you know what trust is, don't you? As to commit yourself fully, completely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. That's the important thing. In all, in all your ways acknowledge Him. I'm sure as I look at this audience this morning, there are some extremely successful businessmen and women. You got it all together. And some of you are retired and you got it, you've still got it all together. You're not worried about tomorrow. You got all kinds of bucks in the bank. And everything is fine. But you know what? You don't control your health. And you don't control the moment God says, enough. It's time to go. It's time to go. Dear friend of mine, if this afternoon, God should say, Betty, George, Jim, Mike, whatever your name is, it's over. Just that quick. And I ask you this morning, will your dear ones be able to say, well, he or she are absent from the body and present with the Lord? Or will there be those who will be at your funeral sorrowing over the fact? That you had the opportunity and you blew it. You rejected it. 
God in his infinite love says to you today, come. Will you come? I've come. I'm here. We can't see him with these naked eyes of ours. But we're here. Let's bow our heads and pray, shall we? And I'd like to just ask you to consider for a moment and perhaps right in your very seat this morning. As I pray just this brief prayer, maybe you'd like to repeat it along with me. Maybe you've never done this before, but this morning you want to do it. And here it is. Dear God, thank you, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for sending him to die upon the cross of Calvary. And dear God, I recognize this morning that when he died, he shed his precious blood to wash away my every sin. And dear God, though I've heard this message before, this morning I want to make a commitment to you. I want to trust you as my Savior. I want you to come in and save my precious soul, dear God. I don't know all there is to know in the Scriptures. But Lord, I'm coming because I need you. And I'm trusting you as my Savior today. And I want to thank you for, for giving your, your only precious son to die for my sins. And I'm trusting that through faith in him this morning, I will receive not only forgiveness for my sins, but eternal life. And I thank you for this. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. You know, dear friend, if you prayed that prayer this morning, maybe you never did before. But I say to you that if you've trusted Jesus Christ to save you this morning, you have eternal life. And I say that to you based on the authority of God's word, not mine. I can't save a hair on your head, but God can. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, I, I trust that you'll come and you'll, you'll spend a little moment or two. Don't, don't just come up because you like my master's jacket. That's not important. <laughs> I didn't bring my golf clubs. Don't come because... You feel it's, it's absolutely essential that you come up and shake my hand. Unless you want to. I'll, I'll, I'll hug you. I want to hear you say, John, I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior Amen. this morning. And I want you to know that, that as I go home today, I'm thankful that I have eternal life. And I'm ready to meet him should he come today. And dear friends, may we be challenged by just these brief accounts this morning that we've read, we've read a lot of scripture, but you know what? May we be challenged to to take a stand for Jesus Christ. May we be challenged to take a stand for our Christianity. And may we not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. May we not be ashamed to share him with others. And I'm speaking to myself too. You see, it's easy for me to be up here and say it. But you know, we all are challenged. We need to be challenged. We all are responsible people. And we need to share with others the very fact that, you know what, buddy? I know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And I'd like to share him with you so that you too may have eternal life. Don't go away without him today, I trust and I pray. We give thanks in his precious name. Amen. Amen.